as Emma said, I am Sam and um, I work for the church, uh, for KCC. I'm the children's and youth worker there. And um, I've been doing that for almost a year now. It's quite, it feels like it's flown by, but it's almost a year that I've been doing that for. Um, and if you're right, coming logging on today on YouTube or however you're joining us, I just want to say a massive thank you that you've come with us. And I want to say you are so welcome to be with us today. Um, you've come to us as we're heading towards an end of a series or the last one. And the series is called Old Ways, New Days. And that whole series is looking at the life of David and we're taking it from the book of One Chronicles. Uh, if you're new to the Bible or whatever, that's found in the Old Testament. So that means it's before Jesus came to earth um, to give you a little bit of context. And I'll give you some more context about the passage we're looking at today later on. So far in this series, we've heard various preachers, for example, stuff like uh, the character of leadership, the character of people, the character of God. And we looked at how do we praise God? How do we watch God and watching what he's doing and various other things. Today, we're looking at uh, the passage in 1 Chronicles 17, 16 to 19 of the topic of thanking God. Now, I don't know about you, but when you uh, hear the word thanking, uh, I often think of gifts. I'm, I, I'm very much, uh, I don't know if some love languages. One of my love languages is gifts. I love it when people give me presents. Uh, hands up. If you want to bless me, give me a present. Like, I do like words of affirmation as well, but really I love gifts. I love getting a present. Now, uh, I was thinking about when is my greatest time where I've, to, I've said thank you? When have I been, just been so like, oh, this is the best gift in the world. I can't, I can't be happy. Maybe it was earlier uh, this week or in last week, it was my wedding anniversary. And for my wedding anniversary, Lay gave me the new FIFA. Can you believe it? Your wife giving you the new FIFA. Who would have thought it? I was so happy. I was so thankful. But I was like, I was thankful for that. But maybe that wasn't the most thankful I've ever been. Now, this one's a more serious story. And I was trying to think in my life, in a worldly situation, what is the most thankful I've ever been? Well, uh, just over a year ago, maybe two years ago, myself and Leigh received a massive bill come through the post. And um, it was an urgent pay. We didn't even know we had it. And uh, I was, I saw the bill and I went in, hands up, it was not a faithful moment from Sam. It was not a let's turn to God. It was a, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, I, I prayed after a while and I was like, God, I just don't know what to do about this. I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. It's big. I don't know what to do. And then uh, a little while I was talking to some people and someone came to me and said, here's the money to pay that bill. And I have never been more thankful in, in a moment in my life in a worldly situation. I couldn't express how thankful I was. I, 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 I was like, thank you so much. Thank you. I tried to write a card. I'm not very good at the old writing business. I just say thank you my card anyway. So all I get is like a thank you coming up. And I cannot express how thankful, my, how thankful I am. I'd, I'd been in this place of panic and this person had given me a gift. And I'd been released from my panic. And that... That debt had been paid because I'd been given it. I could not believe that someone would do that for me to pay off my, my debt. I could not believe it. I was so thankful. Maybe for you, it's similar. Maybe you're a gift person like me and you, you can remember the time you were given an amazing gift and you just could not express your thanks enough. Maybe you're someone who loves good news. Maybe there was a time, maybe someone you found out someone was coming home from being away or something like that. And you found out good news and you celebrated and you were so thankful that good news was coming, that someone was coming home or 
maybe it was maybe you knew someone was unwell and they've been healed and that you're so thankful for the good news of that as we journey through today i want you to think of stories like that and we're going to see how our thankfulness in a worldly situation is nothing compared to what, what our thankfulness should be to god so as i said i'm going to give you a bit of context about today's uh, passage and i told you it's uh uh, 1 Chronicles 17, um, 17, 16 to 19. So we've only got four verses to go from. So you think, oh, it's going to be one point. Uh, you'll be in for a shock. Um, so let's go for this. So we the, just before this passage, um, David wants to, David says, I want to build a house for God. I want to build a temple. I want to build a beautiful house for God to dwell in. And uh, he has good intentions. Don't, don't, let me make that clear. It's a very good intention. But God says, no. No, it's not for you to build this house. Um, your son's going to do it. And in fact, what I'm going to do, then God, then God makes a list of promises to David just before this verse. He says things like, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to appoint a place for Israel to have and to live. I'm going to build you a house. Now, I don't think that's quite funny. He, David says to God, I'm going to build you a house. And God says, no, no, I'm God. I'm going to build you a house. And, he's, and when I say a house, he's talking about a dynasty, a legacy of uh, future generations. And God also promises uh, David that he will have um, offspring and one of his offspring will, will establish a kingdom and that his throne will be established forever. Now, what promises? I think if I had those promises, I'd be pretty thankful. And so he'd gone to God and said, I want to build you a house. And in return, he gets this amazing list of promises. So we're going to look at David's response to that and his response of thankfulness. So I'm just going to read the passage. As I said, it's 1 Chronicles 17, 16 to 19. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. You, Lord God, have looked on me as though I was the most exalted of men. What more can David say to you for honouring your servant? For you know your servant, Lord. For the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made known all these great promises. And that's it. That's all we've got to go on today. Those four verses. And I'm going to tell you in those four verses, we're going to hit four points pretty quick. So virtually a point of, a point of verse and all based on thankfulness. By the end of today and today's journey together, I want you to realise not I'm going to give you a list of instructions of how to thank God, but why we thank God. We've, what's the point of just doing it in practice if we have no understanding of why we're doing it? So we're going to look at those things and finish by looking at how we have a correct position of thankfulness to God. So we're looking at four things. Point number one is identity. We thank God when we know who we are and we know who he is. Point two is faithfulness. We thank God when we realise what he has done for us. Point three is promises. We thank God for what we know what his promises are for us. And point four is position, a whole life position to thanks and praise. OK, so let's start with identity. We thank God when we know who we are and God is. And I want to put to you today, before we even delve into this point, an understanding of who we are and who God is will naturally bring out a position of thanks. There's no other explanation for it. When we understand who we are and how amazing God is, our natural response has to be, oh, wow, we are nothing compared to you. I just want to thank you for how great you are. And the fact you even want to talk to me. 
Like, I'm so small compared to you. And we see this in David in, this few, in these few verses. I don't know about you. In verse 16, he said this amazing phrase. He says, who am I and who are my family? Who am I and who are my family? In that moment, David is recognizing how small he is in comparison to how great, he, how great God is. He's realizing that it's not that he doesn't love his family or think they're great, but he realizes in comparison, we are nothing. He is nothing compared to the greatness of God. David starts his prayer of thanks with this amazing thought of how great God is. I don't know about you, but um, can you imagine what David's going through in this moment? Sometimes when I read the Bible, I like to kind of go off a little bit tangent and go, oh, I wonder what else he was thinking at the time. So don't quote me on this because this isn't exactly in the Bible. Uh, this is me interpreting what they were going through David's head. I can imagine him going, wait, I'm nothing compared to God because God is perfect. I'm a fallen and sinful man, but God is perfect. I'm limited, but God has all power. I'm the created and God is the creator. I am the fallible, but God is the conqueror. And I am the one in the need of rescue, but God is the rescuer. In this moment, he, he's in this one sentence of who am I and who is my family? He is just going, I can just imagine him going through all these things about how great God is. And then and look at me. Look at me. And we see it again that in verse 17, uh, David describes himself as a servant. Once more, he says those words of comparison to how great God is compared to your servant, your servant, David, he's saying. And let's be clear, David isn't some unimportant person. He's the king of Israel here. He's not just he's not just me, like the everyday guy walking down the street who plays rugby and Let's have a laugh his friends playing FIFA that his wife gives him. He's the king of Israel. And yet he turns and he says, I'm your servant. Who am I and who are my family compared to you, God? And I think when we look at it, he's just come off the back of all these amazing promises. If it's me, I might be a little bit big headed and go, wow, I'm going to be a great name. My kingdom, someone might offer him, well, oh, it's going to reign forever. It's going to be established. I, I might go into a little bit of like self-indulgence there. But David's response isn't how great I am and how prideful I am. He go, his response is immediate or thanks because of how great God is. He kind of, it's not like he's forgotten about the promises, but he goes, I'm going to put them to one side. And because of them, I'm going to praise God for just who he is. That is so amazing. He has these promises and he says, you know what? How great are you, God? And in verse 17, we see a slight shift, even the last part of verse 17. He uses this phrase, you look, at, you look at me like I am the most exalted of men. So he's had this moment of comparison between him and God. And he doesn't get stuck, as we think sometimes you do in like, how rubbish am I moments? He then looks at how God looks at him. And he has this whole shift in this one, in these couple of verses from, I am nothing compared to God. But God, when you look at me, you see me as the most exalted of men. Now, I think when we look at ourselves there, we can do exactly the same. We look at God and we say, I am nothing compared to you, God. I'm nothing compared to you. you. Like I read before, you are the creator. You are perfect. You have all power. You are the conqueror. You are the rescuer. And endless names we hear about God. I'm nothing compared to you. And we have this moment where you have to realize who God is 
But then we also realize that we can draw close to this God. We can draw close to God. And we can we say, who do you say I am, God? Our identity has a shift when we become a Christian. We become a child of God. We go from, from sinners to saints. We're forgiven, we're free, and we're going to look at more of that in a moment. So in this moment of thanks and praise, an outpouring comes from knowing how great God is and how small we are in comparison. But also our praise is based on our, our identity in God. God, you have changed my whole being. You have transformed me. You have saved me. You have set me free. When we know how great God is and how small we are, but we realize who God makes us to be, then we praise and we say, thank you so much for who you are. Who you are, nothing else, just who you are. As I said, we're going to, have to try and get through this quick. So that's point one already done. because we've got four points and I'm going to try and hit them really quickly. So that's identity. OK, we thank God and praise God when we know who we are and who he is. OK, so point two, faithfulness. We thank God when we realize what he has done for us. And I just want to say, to sum up this point, is the recognition, recognition of the journey and the understanding of belief and belief of what God has done for us and where he has taken us from and put us to leads us into a place of thanks. So once more, we have two amazing phrases. I, I love this. There's four verses and just packed, jam-packed full with phrases. God says, uh, David says to, to God, you have brought me this far. And he also says to God, thank you for honouring your servant. When those two phrases are packed with a meaning of, I recognise what you've done in my life. You have brought me this far. Thank you for honouring your servant. And let's have a look at David um, when we look at this first. So I don't know if you know much about David, but uh, when we when we pick up the story of David, he's actually in a field looking after the sheep. He's actually just he's not even like the main person you think about in the in the story he's kind of just hanging out looking after sheep all the brothers turn up when Samuel's great name when Samuel is turning up to anoint the next king of Israel so he's a shepherd boy we, we pick him up as a shepherd boy and then he's anointed so he's, he's a shepherd boy and then he moves to being anointed to become king and he beats Goliath Goliath is this giant he's absolute massive guy uh, and David picks up these stones and a slingshot and just hits this Goliath uh, and Goliath dies. We won't go into the rest of the story because it's slightly gruesome with heads being chopped off and stuff. And then David becomes, he, wins, he becomes king. He wins battles. Okay, so this sounds really great. So he's going, thank you so much for, you, you can kind of understand it, can't you? You've done so much in my life. But let me tell you a few other things about David. David was also chased and had to flee into caves because people wanted to murder him. We wanted to kill him. I want to tell you that David had his wives captured at one point and they were taken away. OK, so let's be clear. David's life was not always that easy. And that's just up to this point when he's writing this verse, these verses. That's what's happened so far. OK. So when David says, you have brought me this far. Is it just that he's a bit forgetful about what's happened in his life? No, it's not that at all. He is, he is saying, you have brought me this far. And even in the bad times, you were faithful. And in the, in the good times, you were faithful. You didn't change, just my situation changed. And so we see this amazing thing. We learn three things from those three verses. We thank God for the journey and God's faithfulness. Remembering what he has done and that he was faithful in the hard and the good. 
Point two, we thank God in all circumstances. You can imagine just from the way he's writing these verses, his thankfulness stood strong in the hard times because he knew the faithfulness of God. Point three, we thank and praise God for what he has done. As I said, when we look at his story, there are some amazing things. Who would have thought the shepherd boy would become king? I don't know about you, but it's not exactly how I would choose a king. I wouldn't go, let's go, let's go out to the fields and find a local shepherd. I don't know where the local shepherds are around here anyway. But find a local shepherd and say, oh, you're going to become king. No, that's not what I would do. That's not the common story, is it? So David's had a pretty amazing, unique life. Imagine killing a giant. The time of war where the wars were very prevalent all the time and killed Goliath. That's an amazing thing because of God, what God did in that moment. As I said, things have been tough for him as well, but we thank God for and praise him for what God has done in our lives. Now, um, when we think about us in this situation, at this point of faith and understanding the faithfulness of God, we have to do exactly the same. I wish I could be someone that every moment of my life, I use that same phrase that David used. You have brought me this far. You, thank you so much, God, that you have brought me this far. I want to be that David guy who says, God, thank you. I look at my life and you have done amazing things. And I want to thank you so much for what you have done. We might not all be a shepherd to king. But if we become a Christian, we are rejected to royalty. We might not always be a shepherd to king. But if we put our faith in Jesus, we are rejected to royalty. We reject God and we turn away from him and we, we turn back to God and he puts us into a place of royalty. We are also spoken about as orphan to heirs. We've gone from a place of just abandonment, not because God rejected us, because we rejected God. But then we come back as a Christian, he says, you're my heir, you're my child. And we're from a place as well, from, from guilty to forgiven. We all have that story of David. It may not be the shepherd boy to king, but we've all got stuff in our lives and we've turned back to Jesus and he's forgiven us. We've all got that story of amazing things to be thankful for. And they're just the big ideas, let alone what might happen in your own life. I don't want to I don't want to pretend I know what's happening in your life. You could be going through the hardest situation right now. If you're logging on on YouTube, you might be thinking I've stumbled across this and I don't know why. But my life is so hard and I'm not going to pretend that your life is easy. I would not do that. But what I can guarantee you is that when we turn back to Jesus, we have amazing transformation of going from a place of death and darkness to light and life. I was listening to a song this morning just before we move on to the next point. And it's one of my favorite songs. And it, the, the kind of, one of the, I think it's the chorus. I'm not that great at music. Um, I should know what a chorus is though. But um, the, the thing is, is that it says, uh, it goes like this. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am faithful, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And that's basically what David's doing here. It's all my life you have been faithful, good and the bad. All my life you have been so, so good, God. With every breath I am, I want to be thankful to you for what you have done. As I said, we've all been blessed. And if you're listening and you're not a Christian today, I just wanted to quickly tell you about the most amazing blessing and transformation. I've hinted upon it already. And that's the transformation of when we 
turn back to God and say, I am so sorry for what I've done wrong. I've spoken about Jesus. Jesus is God. He was the son of God and came down to earth. And uh, he lived a perfect life. And he, and when the people wanted to kill him, and when he, when he was taken up, he was put on a cross. And on that cross, he declared it was finished. And it's not just because he was dying. He declared it was finished because he was taking everything we've done wrong. Everything, every time we reject God or go against God, anytime we do anything wrong, in a moment he declared it was finished. He was taking everything we've done wrong. And I want to tell you that he says that when you turn back to him and say, sorry, for what you've done wrong you accept him as savior set god the father as father and say you can you are king of my life he welcomes you back and he and you have those moments what i just said rejected to royalty orphans to heirs guilty to forgiven so we've all in this place of thankfulness we can all recognize the journey we've been on and the understanding of god's faithfulness and belief in that and that will naturally, I, I, that naturally should. And if it doesn't, we need to tell ourselves that is good enough to thank God. That is good enough. I want to thank God for what he's done. OK, let's move on. Point three, we're flying through these uh, promises. So promises, we thank God when we believe he will do what he says he will do. Now, this is quite a big point, actually. I think um, when we look at this. Let me just say that again. We, we thank God when we believe he will do what he says he will do. OK, so the, this is looking at the assurances of the promise. If we are, we are certain in his promise will lead to an abundance of praise. So I'm not saying that we uh, we sit there and all we do is ponder on the promises of God because then we've missed the rest of what I've just said. But what I'm saying is in our thinking, we need to understand what God has said about us that he will do the promises we have been given. And we see this in David in verse 17. I just said he's been told these verses in verse uh, promises in verse 17. He says, as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And in verse 19, he says, you have done this great thing and you have made all these great promises. So David, in his position of thanks, his prayer of thanks, looks to the full looks forward to the promises of god let me recap some of those promises because they're quite big weren't they um here's just a few of them there are, there will be a place for israel okay david will be made a great name and there will be a throne forever his kingdom will be established his kingdom will be established for eternity so what david does is a uh, he thanks God for that. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, when we look at this topic, I kind of go, oh, one minute. I just need to remember. I know we all know what it is. I just need to remember what the word future means, what promises mean. There's stuff that hasn't happened yet. OK, there's stuff that that we promise will happen. I might promise to lay. OK, every Friday I'm going to clean the bathroom. OK, that's going to be my job. That's going to what I'm going to say every Friday. I promise I will do that. OK, so I haven't done it yet. I'm promising I will do that. OK. So when David comes to here, uh, comes to this point, he's been promised by God. God hasn't, in one sense, God hasn't done it yet. Okay, but what David does, he doesn't have an uncertain heart in that. He ha he knows that God will say, will, will do what he says he'll do. So this praise isn't a praise of, oh, he might do it. Thank you, God, that you might do it. He's saying, thank you, God, that you will do what you say you will do. And when we look at this, we understand 
that a certainty in the faithfulness of God that we've just heard about will lead to an abundance and an outbreak of thanks and praise about the promises of God because we do not doubt the faithfulness of God. When we understand the faithfulness of God, we know he will do what he says he will do. Ryan spoke uh, last week and mentioned about the uh, when this when our world at the moment comes to an end, we spend eternity, if we're a Christian, with God the Father. And the promises in that are just unbelievable. OK, we spend eternity praising God, worshiping, thanking him. It says in the Bible that every he will he will wipe away, which I love. He will wipe away every tear from our eye. There'll be no sadness, no sickness, no death in this in eternity. I don't know about you, but when I'm thanking God. Do I hold on to that idea of certainty that that will happen or do I have an element of doubt? Do I not consider it properly i put it to one side and that's just one aspect maybe that's maybe eternity is not what it is for you maybe it's the promise and when we look at ourselves maybe it's the promise that he'll be in an intimate relationship with us now we get to call him daddy we get to call him dad the promise that he'll be with us and will never forsake us maybe that's the promise that you aren't holding on to maybe that's the promise you don't focus your thought, you focus your attention on and it slips away. Maybe it's the fact that we're promised a freedom from sin. Maybe it's a promise that um, sin is no longer my master. Maybe it's I'm, I am God's. I am God's now. Maybe that's the one that we doubt. Maybe it's the promise that we will have life and life to the full. Maybe we don't even understand what that means. And if you don't understand what that means, I don't have time to talk about it now, but I'd love to talk to you about that because the fullness of life in God is, is the most amazing thing of all time. I, I, it's just so exciting. I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying I get it all the time. I definitely don't. But when we understand that, we lead. Our, naturally, our position goes to thanks and praise. And as I mentioned, eternity. Maybe we don't understand what eternity really will look like. Maybe we don't understand the brilliance of it. Sometimes Lay talks to me about eternity and um, Lay's my wife, if you haven't picked this up by now. Um, and she's in a very different position to me when it comes. I sometimes I hands up. I love the idea of eternity. But I get sad about what I'm going to leave behind. And that's that's an area of doubt that God is working on me. And I know he is because there's nothing greater than eternity. There's nothing greater than spending eternity with God. That should be a heart position of thanks and praise. But when I talk to Lay, she is different. She is like, wouldn't it be so amazing in heaven? Let's just thank him now for what's going to happen. Let's just thank him. And let's just praise him for the fact that he will return and we'll spend eternity with him. And we'll praise him. We'll thank him. It'll be the most amazing place. It's not like Lay doesn't have questions about it, but she understands the promises of God will be fulfilled. So therefore she praises and thanks God. And David does that as well. These big ideas like the throne being established is a Jesus idea. And he is saying that he knows that this will happen. So he thanks and praises God. OK, so let's think where we've got to so far as we just fly into the end. OK, I actually hate that term. I don't know why I said it. Um, we, we've got we've had the uh, point one identity. When we understand who God is and who we are and then who God says we are. Then we thank and praise God. OK, that was point one. Point two, the faithfulness of God. When we understand what God has done for us and the journey he has taken us on and his, his never-ending faithfulness, we will naturally thank and praise God. And point three, when we understand his faithfulness and understand his promises and we know they will happen, then we will thank and praise God. 
when I mention promises, I just want to make it clear that when we read his word, he, there's very clear overriding promises over us. And we need to hold on to them and say, I'm going to praise you and thank you for this because they will happen. And finally, as we come into close, how do we even thank God? As I said, I'm not going to give you a list, but the point of this is we need a heart position of thanks and praise, just like David. As I said, David was given these promises and David did not run around like I might do, put it on social media or whatever, going, I'm going to have a kingdom forever. Hello, welcome. Like, just praise me. I'm so great. My kingdom will never end. No, he doesn't do that. His natural response is to turn to God and say, thank you, God. And um, at the moment, uh, myself and Leah learning Arabic and uh, they're Egyptian Arabic. And there's a there's a when we were doing greetings the other day and um, this is an amazing thing. They say, how are you? I won't, I could, I won't do the whole thing in Arabic, um, but it says basically you say, how are you? And then they have this uh, rephrase that comes back and it says, Alhamdulillah. OK, Alhamdulillah. And that means thanks to God. Their immediate response is, thanks to God, I'm good. Thanks to God. There's this immediate response of, alhamdulillah. And it's like this, and I'm not saying they all may be mean, thanks to God. But isn't that a natural position we should be at where we're asking the question, thanks to God that we're okay. Thanks to God I'm alive. Thanks to God I'm breathing. Thanks to God he blessed me in this way. Thanks to God for his promises. Thanks to God for his faithfulness. When we have a heart position of thanks, it naturally comes out of us. And with that in mind, we want to be like David. He says this phrase, what more can David say to you for honouring your servant? At the beginning, I said, I talked about how um, there was uh, that story about an, a, um, a gift, a bill that was paid for. Now, something happened there. I was given a gift. But I want to be like... And I was trying to express, wasn't I? I was saying, like, thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for this gift. But I want to be like David where I go, what more can I say? God, what more can I say? My words cannot describe how thankful I am to you. And in that moment, I was given a gift of to pay a bill. But actually, God has given me amazing gifts that I can thank him for. But I can also just thank him for who he is. What more can, I want to be, I'd say, what more can Sam say to you for honouring your servant? What more can I say, God? I've run out of words and my words don't do it justice. What more can I say, God? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What more can I say? And finally, as we said, closing, we need to adjust our position so that will be a natural thing we do. We need to adjust our position. We need to look at the, and I've really felt this quite clear, we need to look at what God has done, what he hasn't done compared to what we feel like he hasn't done. Maybe we look at our situation and we think, okay, God hasn't done this. And then our thanks just wipes away. But you know what? God says his ways are not our ways. And actually, our position of thanks should be a position where we look at what God has done, not what he hasn't done. And that brings praise. That doesn't mean once more, to be clear, that we don't understand your situation or love into situations that are hard. But our position of thanks is when we look at what he has done. And second of all, we need to look at who he is every time we go, no matter what we go through. We look at who he is, no matter what, go, what we go through. Let's be clear. He says he's the same yesterday, today and forever. 
So our situation may change, but God hasn't. And our thankfulness is based on who he is, not what I go through. Now, once more, I want to say your situation could be tough. and I'm not belittling that in any way. If you picked up at all, I want to say sorry. I feel you feel like I'm belittling your situation. So my heart does not want to do that. My heart is telling you, no matter how hard your situation, God has not changed. And we can thank him for who he is. And when we get all this wrapped up together, just like David understood, we realise what a privilege it is to thank God. It is not a chore to thank God. It, is our, it should be our heart's position to cry out and say, God, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for the fact I can talk to you. Thank you for all those promises we spoke about, the fact that I'm no longer dead, but I'm alive in you. All these things. And we understand what a privilege it is to thank God. I'm just going to finish with that phrase I said before. And I want you to kind of insert your own name here and be like this. What more can Sam say to you for honouring your servant? Replace Sam with your own name. Don't we all want to be in that position? God, what more can I say to you for honouring for, for honoring your servant? Thank you so much. So I'm just going to pray. And actually, I'm going to hand straight over to the, the offices, if that's OK, because they're going to sing a song of responsive praise as well. I'm just going to pray a prayer of thankfulness and then we'll hand over to them. God, we just want to come to you now. We just want to say thank you for what you've done for us. God, we know that our words will never, ever, ever even get close to thanking you how much you deserve to be thanked. And God, we thank you for who you are. Those amazing truths we read at the beginning, creator, king, all powerful, all these things we read and heard. We want to thank you for that. And we want to thank you for what you've done in our lives. We want to thank you for the cross. We want to thank you for the transformation that you've, you've done in us. And God, we want to thank you for the future and the promises that you, you said that you are with us now and you'll never leave or forsake us and the promise of eternity. God, help us all to have a position of thanks and praise where no matter what we hear, hear we say, Alhamdulillah, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let that be what who we are. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.